The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, all. Good morning, Henry. And last but not least, joining us for today's edition of Armchair Politics, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, guys. I guess that puts me in the middle, right? We've got a left and a right and a meat. Well, as uh, is always the case, we start out with a few quotes, and uh, the first one is fashioned after Flint-based comedian Mark Bondo's Facebook feature, Finish the Joke. We open armchair politics with Finish the Quote. That's where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes, all people are born alike, except... Hmm. Hmm. That's a good one. Oh. All people are born alike, except. Except, yeah, I was just trying to think, think where to go with differently. that. Hmm. I don't know. Platypuses aren't people, are they? You'll you'll love it when you hear the the how how the original quote goes. All people are born alike, except Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> oh, that was so obvious. You know that really makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. These days, especially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, of course, we owe that one to Groucho Marx. Oh, oh no. yeah. That figures. Boy, what would he say to Dave? I oh, cannot yeah. imagine what his opinion would be. It would be interesting to see if he was around today. Oh, it really yeah. would. Uh, you know, between him <laughs> and uh, Mark Twain and Will Rogers, um, that w- I would love to hear the material that they would glean from... Eli. Right, and then that writer, writer out of Baltimore, I can't remember his name now, well-known cynic. H.L. Um, H. Mencken, H.L. Mencken. Yes, yeah. can yeah. you imagine what he would say? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, here's a quote that uh, 
got not only my attention, but a lot of people's attention, I think, this week. No child alive today is responsible for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery, but each and every single one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. We are not responsible for the past. We also cannot change the past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen or deny people their very right to exist. Oh, I saw that. Uh, I heard that too. It was the the writer of, uh, was it 1619? No, that was uh, State Senator um, Mallory McMorrow, a Democrat from Oh, yes. Oh, right. And she was responding to uh, an attack by Senator Lana Theis, a uh, Brighton Republican who made the accusation in a recent campaign fundraising email without... Uh, providing any evidence to support it. Uh, Thice, who's uh, attempting to fend off a primary challenger, uh, filled the campaign email with red meat for conservatives in sweeping language, uh, suggesting our children are under assault in our schools from the likes of gender-bending indoctrination and race-based education. McMorrow's five-minute speech garnered massive attention, receiving more than a million views on social media only hours after she posted it. The Michigan Democratic Party, National Democrats, and others criticized Theis for her allegations, who did not respond to her colleague's speech on the Senate floor, and a representative did not immediately reply to a request for comment. Is this reasonable debate? Yeah, I, I thought that that was... That, I couldn't have been a, a Democrat. That was had too much wisdom in it. <laughs> she, oh, oh, now you're just picking up the gauntlet. You know, I have a couple of opinions or thoughts about that. Um, one of the gubernatorial candidates appeared at the Grand Blank School Board uh, meeting on Monday night and made similar accusations of teachers. And this when I hear the term conservative used to describe this kind of thinking, it offends the the political purist in me. Yeah, because conservative, yeah, conservatives do not think that way. Conservative conservatism is just a way of looking at how we solve our common problems, maybe a little differently than those we call liberals. But they don't attack people personally and make terrible accusations like that because they're conservative. They don't. Well, I, I like the comment. I, I Frankly, and I don't care who doesn't like it, but I did. I, I well, think that's sure the wise. You're probably a true conservative. Yeah, I think you are, Henry. And, I, and then you're really uh, not part of the QAnon crowd. No, <laughs> I, I don't think follow what, I think that's what we're seeing is some of this QAnon stuff is, is percolating out into the more traditional avenues of politics. And uh, it's, it's no longer the lunatic fringe. I mean, it's getting, unfortunately more common and more popular. Right, which is going to turn off a lot of people who weren't too turned on in the first place. That's right, you know, exactly true. Yeah. yeah, if we're going to talk to voters, I'm teaching a class on how to talk to voters, by the way. If we're going to talk to voters, we have to tell them the truth. Yeah, you and, would hope. Yeah, that's, that's one thing true. I hate. And you have to talk really slow and yeah. use little words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fast talkers uh, are just... Uh, People don't listen to that. Actually, that sounded uh, that sounded more like Barry Simon than me. 
What was the name of the... Are you, uh, you, channeling, are you channeling Barry Simon? <laughs> I, I think I am. I had a recent uh, comment on one of my Facebook posts, um, and uh, and someone said, uh, you got to get Barry Simon back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I see his comments frequently on Facebook, so I know he's he's out there and, and responding periodically. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's out there. Yeah. What was the name of the politician that made that statement? Uh, oh, that was uh, Mallory McMorrow from Mallory. Royal Oak. She was uh, she's a Democrat in uh, in the state Senate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank she you. was actually calling on other white middle class suburban mothers. To join her in pushing back against these terrible accusations. Well, and you know, being a white middle class suburban mother and joining her. I was going to say, unfortunately, what happens is the crazier things you say, the more likely it is to get attention. I mean, the, and money. The the the, uh, the greens of the world get much more attention than the folks who are out there discussing, you know, the next tax policy, because it's it's bizarre and it's entertaining. But I don't think that uh, people today are responsible for slavery. That happened a long time ago. We need to move on and correct the problem, just like she says. We're responsible for every episode that happens from now on. Well, that's true, Henry, but here's my question. If you're teaching young people um, what, how we became and what, what has happened to us in our history, yeah. uh, and you talk about the glorious fact that Jackie Robinson got to play baseball in the white major leagues, yeah, and he was yeah. the first black player. If you talk about the march in Washington with Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. and the march that he gave with the um, the trash collectors in Memphis, and you talk about Brown versus Bird of Education and when we integrated our public schools, mm-hmm. how do you ignore the cause or the precipitating cause of what led to that? You how do you ignore it? You, you can't, can't ignore you, it. First of all, yeah. you have to admit that that happened. That's where yeah. I differ with everybody in the world, including Republicans. You've got to no, admit yeah, I, that it I, did I think the fact, happen. I was going to say, I think the fact is we're the, we're the heir to all of our history. You can't just yes. pick the good parts. Yes. I mean, we're the That's heir right. to the good things and yes. the bad things, and it's all there, and yes. we all inherit that in some way or another. But I agree with you, Bobby. I, I have no fight with you on that. The, the problem well, is... Let's fight over something more important. <laughs> the, the the problem with a, a lot of this is um, deciding how much constitutes context um, so that we don't end up living in the past. Yeah, true. Yeah, or blaming. Um, I think that's where truth comes in. I think, um, and people who who write textbooks and approve textbooks and, and buy textbooks have to do a better job Perhaps we need more professionals as opposed to a bunch of people who are chosen just because of their political will uh, to sit on some textbook adoption committee. I lived in Texas for 10 years. Texas has the biggest textbook adoption in the whole United States. They set the standard. And I was on a textbook committee when I was in graduate school because I was teaching a class in government. And, um, And I have to tell you, the textbook published Publishers come around courting the people that are choosing the textbooks, and lots of times they'll choose them, maybe not because they were absolutely the best, but because they had an emotional commitment to whoever it was that presented it to them. Wow. We need to do a better job. <laughs> because because that was a darn fine barbecue. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what. In fact, I have to tell you a funny story. I actually, 
I actually socked one of my professors on the shoulder because when I complained about the fact that they gave a barbecue, the textbook people did, and I said um, that there was nothing in this textbook that they liked that that indicated the history of women as far as their political activity. There was like a paragraph on Eleanor Roosevelt, and that was it. And this professor said, well, next time maybe we should have a tea party instead of a barbecue, at which point I turn and <laughs> Well, uh, Bobby, I can tell you, I still got a couple of T-shirts I got from textbook companies <laughs> one time or another when they came yep. by with their, well, their te- poli-sci textbooks. That's true. Texas rules would mean them was fighting words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were fighting words. The department chair fell out on the floor laughing. He said nobody ever socked anybody in a textbook adoption committee meeting before. Even, even in uh, Texas, huh? How about you know, that? Bobby, uh, thinking about what you said, we can't move ahead until we admit that the past was the past. You know, we will always be in limbo here, in pre-fall. I, uh, I think it's true, Henry, but I, I would add to that we need to learn from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, sure you do. Uh, but uh, but the next generation will uh, decide for itself how to define themselves and who they are. And they that's won't care I'm much about people. what that they won't care much about what we think. Well, not until they hit twenty five or thirty and then they'll think we were pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. everything's going to be a lot better now that uh, Elon Musk is in charge of uh, Twitter. Oh, the world. Oh, yeah. What could go wrong there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, he, he, we can live. We can live to be a thousand years old. <laughs> He's oh, really? apparatus for testing and you know, uh, I, experiment with that process. I, I think I'm having a really difficult time with the idea that there's a Tesla, uh, Tesla out in space, and I can't afford one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should be able That's to figure true. out how to get that thing down. <laughs> so I'm trying to get the battery charged on my little 2002 Volkswagen bug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Um Let's see, I've, I've got another quote that's, that's kind of along the same lines, but we're going to run out of time here in uh, about a minute and ten seconds. So any any final comments about uh, Mallory McMorrow or Lana Theist? I think that's well, how well, you pronounce it. Am I like saying that right? be more discussion on that, but there's always discussion present on that. Yeah, I, I was We're never thinking. going to get rid of that until we get over this stupid uh, issue of uh, TRC, the critical race CRT. Oh, yeah. Until we, we we on that, on that point, Henry, take, take a look at my next column for East Village on the critical race theory and 2019. Yes. I, I think you may enjoy it. I will look oh. at that. I look forward to that. I think we Paul? need to have another salon. Paul, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you define what critical race theory is because I haven't heard a good definition yet. Well, I, I, I have either. To, yeah, yeah. But uh, remember uh, what we are with critical race theory. Slaves believed exactly what is in the critical race theory. Hey, they we've got to put a comment You should there. not be determined. Your race should have nothing to do with your rights under the Constitution. That's what they were arguing. All, All right. of a sudden, this is we turned gotta, inward and... Oh, we got to take a short break. Everybody we'll be right back. Do. 
it on brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom general stuff listen I have a legal question what is it mom I just got a call from the water company apparently your father has not been paying the bill I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now can you believe it actually I can't so listen We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. I mentioned before the break I had another uh, quote that caught my attention. It was kind of along the same lines as the one we talked about in the last segment. And it goes like this. I am really open to hearing other people's point of view and what I object to and will continue to object to, and I will tender my resignation if that's necessary, is a personal attack. Hmm. Oh, I remember that, and I don't remember who said it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I recall parts of that, hearing parts of that somewhere in the last week or so. The resignation part, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, who who was that? Well, I think you might you be me. surprised to know yeah. that it was Dr. Pamela Hackert, the county's mayor. Oh, right. Officer. I did read that. Yeah. There's a lawsuit against her. <laughs> and she said that at the um, at the Board of Health meeting. Yeah, exactly. She uh, was asking residents who have harshly criticized her response to the COVID-19 pandemic to tone down personal attacks saying they are causing a breakdown in communication and threaten public health efforts in the future. Uh, Dr. Hackert made the uh, remarks after returning to a county board of health meeting that she had left on Wednesday, um, last Wednesday, after public speakers called health officials evil and wicked. Mm. Is maintaining decorum or civility at public meetings a violation of free speech? No. I don't think it's a violation of free speech, but it uh, sure helps your image a little bit because people don't cotton too much to people who act out of character. Well, at, at most meetings, especially board of commissioner and city council meetings, it's um, an error. You will be, be asked to step down, I believe, if you attack anybody personally. Well, to take away the city seen, council. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them do that at the board of health meetings, although... Um, Chairman Bryant Nolden does a pretty good job of maintaining decorum, but there's only so much you can do without throwing people out. Yeah. As I say, take a look at the Flint City Council meetings. I mean, in some ways, the strangest thing is that some of these rather obs- relatively obscure positions, I mean, school boards, uh, health department boards, have been subject to these personal attacks, but before, people barely knew they were around, but they've gotten very, very bitter and personal these days. But it, it wasn't always. It wasn't a, well always that way in school board. You had to maintain a decorum. Yeah. Well, let's follow Paul's. Let's follow <laughs> Paul's suggestion and take a look at the city council. Exactly. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> first, first ward <laughs> councilman Eric Mays was handcuffed and removed from city council's meeting uh, on Monday, just two weeks after <laughs> losing <laughs> his Before position. The time he's been let out in handcuffs. I've forgotten. I've as, lost count. I think. As council president, well, you and I have said before, Paul. I, I, I think he brings his own. Uh, probably um, he's got he's got monogrammed <laughs> handcuffs. 
<laughs> Mays, who has been escorted from meetings by police previously after having been ruled disruptive, was ruled out of order twice by Council Vice President Allie Herkenroder on Monday, and her ruling stood up during appeals voted on by other members of the council. How does this affect Eric Mays' campaign for mayor? <laughs> not at all. It, it's probably going to not going to change a thing. It's going to get him more attention. He'll he'll get a fraction of the vote. I mean, I, I can't see any chance of him making it past August. But well, he, he gets all of I'm his sur- glory I'm from people who don't live in the city. People that live around. The city I, I'm surprised his campaign him. logo isn't a pair of handcuffs. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be his campaign logo. <laughs> Vote for Eric. He's a lock on. He's a lock on the mayor. <laughs> yeah, didn't he get removed as the chair of the board? Of president think, of the board? Yeah, <laughs> I can think of all kind of great campaign slogans. But that's that. but that's yeah. being channeled or uh, challenged legally um, over issues of due process. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And and I I think there's a case to be made there. Yeah, but apparently there's supposed to be a hearing if, according to the, the charter, I guess. According to what I've heard, I I don't recall the charter detail there, but there's supposed to be a hearing for 2 weeks ahead of time, I think. And so it, yeah, he may have an issue there surprisingly. Uh, it's easy to remove him with handcuffs and just take him out of office. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I don't think anybody wants to try to take him away who officially sits in a government seat because it's generally up to the people to remove him. That's how yeah. we like to see well, it. I think the governor you, was asked several times. To and in his own ward, he always wins by a huge margin. Yeah. He's invincible in the first ward. I think so. Yeah. And and that creates a real problem for the Flint City Council and the city of Flint because he is single-handedly preventing the council from functioning properly. Yeah, right. And, and what and do you I, do I mean, when there, there is... There's a chance they could lose that, those $94 million if they don't take action in a... If they got to spend it in a certain amount of time. Yeah, I think I'm not sure yeah. what the deadline is, but I think it's I coming up. Use it or but lose they can't it. Can't sit down and agree on what time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know what what can you do when you know we we say it's up to the people to decide who they want to represent them. What do you do when the people pick somebody and and stand by them? Uh, the United States Congress had the same problem. I can't remember <laughs> who the person was. Was it Adam Clayton Powell or was it Dick? Well, there, there was Detroit? Joe McCarthy. Yeah, certainly. Oh, there was, was McCarthy in, in that era. They had the same problem. I don't think they could do anything about that. But there Adam was, Clayton yeah, Powell. Huey, Huey Long was there for a while too. Yeah, Huey Long. Yeah, in ages, in years past, yeah. And then there's Rand Paul. I think the people in Kentucky are hmm. not being well served. I also, that's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. You, yeah. You've had you've had characters of that nature, and generally in, in the Congress, off and on too. But, but they survived. But they did, but they didn't dominate. They weren't weren't one people of one of nine. They were one of four yeah. five or one right. of hundred. Well, and uh, and those people, as disruptive as they may have been, couldn't procedurally deadlock the organization from yeah. functioning. No. No. No, actually, 
the Senate has a little bit of a limp along right now, but if they can bring Joe Manchin and what's her name out of Arizona along, the Democrats can pretty well call, pretty well call things, except when when the sixty votes are needed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, good luck good luck system. Well, it's just something that that I've given a lot of thought to, and and I understand. And Eric, you know, got his chops in uh, the UAW, and and it was uh, always contentious, always. Uh, um, adversarial and and all of that and so you know he's he's developed this this style that's you know akin to being a union boss yeah you know i think one other one other cause is he's got that wonderful voice and it's a great voice and i think he loves to hear it <laughs> so he just can't yeah. doesn't know when to turn it off yeah you know, i wish he was amazing. better at solving problems <clears throat> yeah you, you know, it's, it's amazing that that kind of behavior has gone to the school district. And not only that, but it's inside the schools, too. The kids are the same way as the people that they see in government. They're disruptive. They have little self-control. They don't follow directions, things like that. And they're, they're very um, uh, widespread in their attitudes toward each other or the teacher, you know. We've lost so much control in the school districts since COVID, since they've been out. Uh, kids are not where the kids were before COVID or in the future. This generation of kids will be behind. You know what I see, Henry, too? I see a group of parents who are trying to take over the schools and the school boards who are probably setting the example for the kids to say, you don't have to pay attention to those people. They don't mean anything. They're not yeah. any good anyway. Yeah. And so what the kids see at home. It's true. You know what's surprising about your stories about, about how many teachers have been physically attacked, or coaches especially, have been physically attacked during a baseball game or teachers again during a class. And these are you know, grade school teachers. But at least the stories talk about a significant fraction have actually faced physical attacks, and that just—it's hard to imagine. But it appears to be the nature of the nature of the times today. It was Abraham Lincoln uh, back in the old days who said, "What kids learn in schools today will be practiced in government the next generation." Quote unquote. Good, good quote. That is uh, a good quote. Right. That is yeah. a good quote, and and it reminds me of a, a, a comic strip I saw that that illustrated how it, some years ago, if a parent went up to the school, it meant the student was in trouble. <laughs> yeah. When a parent goes up to school now, the teacher is in <laughs> trouble. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the teacher has to leave for her life or its life because <laughs> they bring in. They carry their coats, forty-five and stuff like that. You know, and this this That's is going to this is going to be a weird um, a weird kind of jump or aside. But you know, I've been thinking about this this whole Will Smith going up on stage during the Oscars and oh, yeah. and slapping uh, <clears throat> Chris Rock, and there's there's part of that 
that actually is a throwback to old days. It, it, people, people had more respect for people because if you didn't, they'd walk up on stage and smack you. <laughs> and and you know we like to think that we've that we've evolved beyond that. Well, when the old when the Wild West came in, they didn't do that anymore. They didn't walk on the stage and slap anyone because people had that firearms on their sides. So you know you had to watch what you were doing. Now today we've evolved again to that. And of course, you're talking about men because women were always slapped. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. they did the slapping, didn't they? No, no all the way around. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that I might have been true. That might have been. I went to court for twenty years with women who were being abused in their homes or in their personal relationships, and I heard a lot of stories and saw a lot of damage. I and I, I'm not saying that we should embrace violence. But I'm no. saying there was a time when people faced each other, and you you just couldn't get away with the kind of verbal attacks and uh, uh, I don't know, just lack of respect that seems very commonplace now. Well, don't you think social media makes that so easy, so much easier? I mean, Ooh, it, it feels media. anonymous, so people can say things on social media yeah. they would never say in person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about duels, you know, Burr and Hamilton and all those people. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, it went from killing to slapping to calling out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe if Hamilton and Burrow are around today, they they do it on Twitter instead of doing. But this is the human condition that we have always faced since man was pulled out of the cage. He's always had that feeling to be dominant and to rule and to organize. And this is how, these are the conditions that we live under under the circumstances. And it will there you go way. back to men, Henry. That's why women should rule the world. Yeah, I don't care who rules, but just give me a safe haven. <laughs> <laughs> we would keep you for a toy. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> so we can always, you know, just like look at what kids are seeing now between the United States and Ukraine and Russia. Look how they can't even and begin to imagine how they're going to live their lives because they see all of the fear and hate and stuff that we see today in the world, even and the domestic not, problems. And, and it's not new. And it's not yeah, new. It's no, not I new. can say kids grew up during World War II and saw the and similar not things. Not only that, yeah. but here's the kicker. The population is rising. The sea is rising. The polar caps are melting. And the temperature is disappearing. Food supplies are disappearing, and we'll have ten, we'll have twice as many people in this room where we sit today, a uh, hundred years from now. Mm. We'll have twice as many, Probably, and, yeah. and, but only the same supply of food, guys. Something has to give. Malthus theory. Pardon? Malthus theory. Remember? Yes. How to yes. reduce the population? Yeah. You kill them off. Yes. Although, if you take a look, actually, at population growth in, in industrialized middle-class countries, they have generally plateaued out 
the greatest growth is taking place in, in third, the third world countries, and those may change in the years to come, too. So you never know. But, but as, as, uh, as climate change changes, it changes all of the other dynamics, too. Yeah, the, that's the, true. The, the search for food. Food is well, a limited supply. Okay. Let's look, Henry, let's look at it from a slightly different point of view. I just read an article yesterday about the, um, the predicted, uh, the outgrowth of what's happening with Roe versus Wade at the Supreme Court, that the people who are opposing women's uh, reproductive choices uh, are also probably going to reach out for Griswold versus Connecticut and some of the other decisions regarding privacy and, and the right to use contraception and the right to marry who you love. All of the things that we have given as people's rights at a federal protected level constitutionally, they all, all want to bring it back to the states. Well, you, you educate women and you give them uh, access to birth control and you reduce populations. It's statistically significant. So those are the things you need to look at. But the, my objections to uh, killing babies, I, I have a severe um, dislike of the idea of killing babies, cutting them up, uh, and I'm sure that you do too. But, I don't uh, think, uh, well, I don't believe in killing babies. I don't. Well, yeah, yeah, I believe that most people are like you. But people put themselves, you know, you, you're responsible, except in cases of rape or incest or whatever, uh, you're responsible for making sure that those things, that both a man and a woman is responsible for making sure that they don't put themselves in a situation to give birth to a life and kill it. That's murder. Well, I don't, I don't advocate killing babies. I advocate uh, women having access to education and birth control, and I advocate that they not be raped by their husbands. And, but, and but I you, think um, you and I are on the same page. Barack Obama articulated it very well at, of all places, uh, Notre Dame. He said abortion <laughs> should be legal, but much more um, infrequent. Yeah, yes. yeah, that, that was that was a slogan for the time. That's true. And I don't know why anybody would think that a woman would voluntarily choose to have abortions over practicing birth control. Yeah, obviously, it would be somebody who has never. I I think the people I I think the people they get pointed to by uh, um, by right to life advocates are uh, young women who make repeatedly irresponsible choices and end up having multiple procedures done. And that's, I, I think isn't that, that a, isn't that an urban myth? Do we know that that's true? I, it may be now, but it's, it's rare, but, but there, there certainly there are some, but it's just extremely rare from whatever, everything I've read. I've seen it. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen young women in, you know, my high school and college age uh, years where that was always an option. We think differently now than we did in 1973. I think it was 73 when uh, Roe v. Wade mm. became the law of the land in terms of when life begins. We think about that differently now. It's a it's it's a very different conversation than it was then. And I think Roe v. Wade is done. I, you know, I, I don't think Roe v. Wade is going to continue to be the law of the land. And that does put it back to the states. 
But what Bobby always advocates that I think has to be underscored and, and, you know, surrounded with exclamation points is people need to be educated. And responsible. And 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 the state state of Colorado, I believe, still does, gives free uh, birth control. And young women and women having abortions in the state of Colorado has dropped significantly. But you yeah, know, where, in where, times, where those services are available, it, it, has a, it makes a great difference. It really does. It's true. But and the women have people, a choice. It makes yeah. a great difference. And people throughout the world, throughout the ages, have for years. When a drought comes, or others kind of famine comes, people shut back on their ability to give birth to babies. They automatically do it, voluntarily. And yet, well, we have all of this. I think that's an urban myth, too. Pardon? I think that's an urban myth, too. Women, until recently, have not had control over their own reproduction. Boy, that was... uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what people do practically when they know that they can't afford a baby. That that if a man would rape his wife... A man can rape his wife, could rape his wife. Until the late 80s, there wasn't even a case in court of a man being charged with raping his wife because she was his property. So well, I don't know about that. I don't feel that way. I, do. I don't feel that I had to rape my wife. Gosh, no. Well, you're I, not I, every that's man. Ugly. That, that's ugly. You know, you're men, like to have, they, men like to have views of themselves and of their both of the situation when it, when you're combined as a woman. Well, this, is, this conversation has gotten uh, quite... Quite a, quite a ways away from Eric Mays being hauled out of the council meeting in cuffs. <laughs> Let me a, just add is this: a, Is there a procedure to remove Eric Mays? <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I love Bobby Clay. Does Roy cover that? <laughs> yes, yeah, so something. Whoever this conversation is all right because he's always logic. He's always getting us to fight an issue. Some, some, something. Well, what's the sense of having a discussion if you don't have something you don't agree on? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think Roe v. Wade is retroactive. Probably um, not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But thanks for the discussion, Bobby. That was a good insight. Anytime, Henry. The U.S. Court of Appeals has granted former Governor Rick Snyder and other potential witnesses permission to appeal a decision requiring them to testify in a civil trial tied to the Flint water crisis. The Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit said in a two-page order on Tuesday that it has granted Snyder and other potential witnesses permission to file briefs appealing a decision by U.S. District Judge Judith Levy, who refused to quash subpoenas requiring them to appear and testify at the civil trial. We've just got about a minute before the break, but should these criminal defendants be required to testify in civil proceedings? That is a quadrant for me, too, because in terms of defendant rights, um, right. I, I would guess if, if the testimony could be used against them in criminal in a criminal case, I'm guessing it I could. suppose they ought to have the right to take the fifth, I suppose. Um, yeah. Wasn't that the issue when Oliver North was testifying before Congress, and then there was a question of him being charged criminally, and they couldn't use the testimony that he gave in Congress 
um, in his criminal trial. It seemed like that was an issue. It does sound familiar, as you mentioned. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Anyway, we've got to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're uh, streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage. Basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. 
But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. <coughs> Over 2,000 GOP delegates from around the state gathered in Grand Rapids Saturday, April 23rd, for the Michigan Republican Party Convention, where they selected the party's unofficial nominees for nearly every race except for governor and U.S. senator. State law has parties select their own candidates for attorney general, secretary of state, and a handful of other races by holding a vote among party insiders. Meanwhile, the governor, Congress, and legislature races are all narrowed down via an August primary election. The GOP ended up endorsing several of Trump's picks, including Christina Caremo uh, for uh, Secretary of State and Matthew DiPerno for Attorney General. The candidates endorsed at the convention will likely be pitted against incumbent Democrats Attorney General Dana Nessel and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson in November's general election. The Michigan Democratic Party selected its endorsements earlier this month mostly endorsing incumbent candidates. Like the Republicans, Democratic Party still needs to solidify its endorsements in August. Is it possible for a non-endorsed primary candidate to win the August primary? Oh, I think it's possible. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, not yeah. always possible. Yeah, well, I think it's, take, mm-hmm. take one of those tough ones, like the... Uh, the GOP uh, attorney general yeah. uh, race. Um, could could Tom Leonard um, end up taking that, that away from, uh, is it the Well, I, I was going to ask Henry, I, I saw the story, and the, the vote was fairly close at the convention, wasn't it, between uh, Leonard and DePono? Yes, yes, they, they I, had I, a couple I, I saw of the numbers, I don't have them in front of me right now, but it was a relatively close vote, I think, even at the convention, so... You know, you Mr. Pruno may may uh, he may be in some legal trouble. Oh, how so? Well, I, I think that he was fired from his law firm for uh, oh. Oh. something maybe like siphoning off money or padding. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's another issue that he has to face. And, yeah, lawyers and don't like it when you siphon off their money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Henry, what what would the party do about that? I don't think the party can do anything except turn its back on that. You know, parties can't push illegal things ahead because the rest of the public, they can't go back and get those dissident Democrats and independents to join with them. So they have to be... Well, I was thinking about how can they remove him, they can't remove him from the ballot? Uh, no. No, but, uh, but the, the, the official nomination comes though. in August anyhow. I mean, this this is just yeah. a recommendation. So, if, if something should emerge between now and August, 
I would think theoretically any party could change its mind. Yeah, DePrino has a... Uh-oh, I think we oh, just lost Henry. Henry? Yep. Oh. Henry got dropped? Yep. Huh. Yep. His call, Who did that? His call just dropped. He'll, well, he'll call back and rejoin us here shortly. Yeah, well, was the question that Leonard would be a writer? No, I, what I'm... What I'm wondering is... Well, he'd be is, nominated by the, by the party in August. He, he no, could be, theoretically. I, I guess what I'm saying is there there were a number of candidates that were uh, screened at, at this uh, convention last weekend, um, GOP candidates. Will they all appear on the August primary ballot? Well, no, they won't. The the attorney generals in in Secretary of State won't be on the ballot. They'll be endorsed by. They'll be formally nominated at the con- these conventions in August. The right, they won't the, be on the ballot at all. Yeah, that's right. Because the, the ballot's going to have the gu- gubernatorial candidates, um, and of course the U- U.S. House and so forth. But the and the Secretary of State, Attorney General, and and all of those would be on the would be nominated by the parties in late August. So theoretically, the Republican Party, if they chance, chose to, could change their mind and undo the endorsement they gave uh, last weekend. Um, mm. Mm, that's an interesting thing to yeah. look at. Well, yeah. the more life changes, the more it stays the same, doesn't it? That's, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I, I forgot the numbers, but I, I, I did recall the, uh, the, the gap between Leonard and DePonio. De, 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 De uh, Deporno, Deporno, Deporno. Yeah, was fairly close. I mean, it was a, it was it was a tight vote, and there was also some controversy about the voting procedure at the convention too. That somehow, when they right. when they posted them the, the the results, they simply didn't list candidates' names. They had candidate one, two, or three, or A, B, and C, and there was some confusion among the delegates about exactly who was A, B, and C. Uh, mm-hmm. It was straightened out after some time. But there was some yeah, I heard that described on NPR, and they wound up um, having the vote counted in two separate ways for two separate sets of candidates or something like that. It wound up being very confusing. Yeah. So, so no, I, I mean, it, it, it may be that a done deal because you got the endorsement, and it looks like the, the Trump folks sort of ran the table at the convention. That's people, what people kind of expected. But well, if you get your people out, you get what you want. And I think that's the right. secret. If Leonard wants to get the vote, he's going to have to get the people out. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the unfortunate thing about it is, is that at these conventions, you tend to get the the hardcore party activists. And the real thing is, will the traditional Republicans turn out in greater numbers than the Trump Republicans in the August convention? That's interesting here, no? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And, of course, the real question, I think, for Republicans is, are these folks going to be very electable from, from their point of view? Well, that's, are, that's a question. Are these that, hardcore uh, Trumpies going to be electable? They, they may satisfy the hardcore base for the Trump folks, but when it comes yeah. to the November election, uh, do, they, do they have a serious chance against uh, the more mainline candidates? That very question <laughs> is being raised by someone in the free press. They're... they're uh, Suggesting that uh, that these candidates that are facing incumbents, the the Trump picks, so to speak, um, are are facing a real uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably sacrificial lambs, is what they are. 
Well, if they end up going to the slaughter, yeah. <laughs> what does that do for Trump's consideration of a run in 2024? I think it's weakening. I think so. Uh, and and, uh, and the stuff you're seeing, even some of these rallies, at least the, the stories I've seen, is that the, the numbers are they're still substantial, but the numbers are dropping. And the enthusiasm seems to be gone from what it used to be during the campaign. So, I mean, it's again, he's still a major player in the party, obviously, and he's going to dominate the party for some time to come, I suspect. But you get the feeling that there's a the the strength of the, the Trump movement is is fading in some ways. I've often thought that you, you might see a, a split within the Republican Party, a third party of Trumps and a Republic, traditional Republican Party going their own separate ways. It, I, it, it may not happen because it looks like Trump has kind of taken over the party so substantially. But I could see a possibility of some of the breakaway Republicans, you know, the George Wills of the world and so forth, uh, going their own way. Yeah, the David Brooks. Well, you know, yeah. the thing about that is it seems like that's what we've been talking about, and the threads are beginning to pull, but I don't know if there's going to be a split. And what happens to the people that, I mean, who would you call the, the the Republicans? Would it be the Trump Republicans, or would it be the George Will Republicans? Who yeah, would yeah. get who, the mantle? Who keeps the Republican name? I don't know. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the crazy I, I, Republicans or the normal Republicans? I should temper that with one thing. I recall in 2016 when, when Trump got the nomination, I said, as a Democrat, I said, well, that's great. He'll be so easy to beat. <laughs> It'll be yeah. goodness. So I was wrong about that. So I should temper that a bit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Henry, I, didn't think, I didn't think he was a valid candidate either. <laughs> Henry's back you know, with us people now. People like flashy things. <laughs> yeah. Henry's back with us now. Yeah, Mr. Putin interfered for a minute. I wondered. <laughs> <laughs> well, we heard so. the we heard the call drop, Henry, and and uh, I no, was I you... sure you would call back in as soon as you realized yes, you'd been disconnected. You. And thank you. But for I wanted doing to that. know how they felt about the Democrats. How the was the strength uh, to um, uh, how do they feel that? Do you guys feel comfortable about the future? Or are we going to prevail as Republicans? The Republicans going to prevail? Well, we were talking about the possibility, again, of the more uh, middle-of-the-road, normal, traditional Republicans having a problem with the, the more <laughs> right-wing, crazy Trump followers. And um, we, we were not able to conclude anything. What's your opinion? Well, you know, we have to be cautious. We can't kill the Republican Party. We we follow the Republican rules and stuff like that. The young people have to to learn what the problem is, what the party is about, how to function in the party. You just can't go around and think that you are going to move into the party and take over. You know, there are traditional Republicans that, that are there, and they're resistant, and they're... But Henry, look at the local young Republicans like Matt Smith and Amy Winterface. Um, they are right in the pocket of the Trump right wing crazies. They're out there talking pedophilia and they're out there talking grooming children and all of this other stuff. They're out there, they're, they're leading the groups that are attacking our, our director of public health. Those are not the traditional Republican Party followers. 
Hey, I have to take no, a not, short break here for the top of the hour ID, but let's pick it up from there when we come back in part two of Armchair Politics, okay? Okay. All right. I have a comment on that. I, I thought you <laughs> might. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are going to break for uh, Top of the Hour ID, and we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Also, tune in tomorrow for a very special collection from the archives on interviews that um, are, are dedicated to uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. It should be pretty interesting. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.